Well, I trust tonight that each of you have had a good day walking with the Lord. I greet you tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Brother Ryan, for that look at our glorified Jesus. What a day that'll be when we can see Jesus in all of his glory, all the beauty that is there. It's something that I, we just cannot fathom in our minds. In Psalm 103, this was a psalm that has been going through my mind. The first five verses says this. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction and crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The psalmist is just exalting God in this passage of scripture. We have a wonderful Jesus, don't we? We have a wonderful Savior that blesses us in, in so many ways. The psalmist says, you know, that, that uh, here in verse 2, he says, And forget not all of thy benefits. Tonight, Jesus brings us tremendous benefits. What benefits do we have tonight because of Jesus Christ? Did you ever stop and think about that? All of the, all of the benefits that, that Christ brings to our lives tells us in, this, in these couple verses, the psalmist said, He forgiveth all our iniquities. Forgiveness is a tremendous, tremendous blessing that is, that is ours only because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I believe, was the one that, that showed us truly how to, how to uh, gave us forgiveness, but also showed us how to uh, give forgiveness as well. The healing of thy diseases. Every time somebody's physically ill um, or broken bones. I heard something about broken bones tonight. Our bodies, we say, heal themselves, but it's God's goodness to us. It's God's benefit to us that gives us that healing. We looked at redemption this week, that reconciliation that takes place because of his loving kindness, because of his mercy, all of these good things that God gives to us. He satisfies our mouth, the psalmist says. Our hearts tonight, I trust, are craving what God has to offer to us. You know, you can, to be satisfied is it's hard to explain what it's like to be satisfied, okay? It's kind of that feeling of just, ah, okay? Just everything's okay, you know? Kind of like coming in after making hay or, or whatever, and you come into the house, and, and there's, that, there's that cool drink that is there for you. It's just that, ah, you know? Just that, just, just what we needed. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Jesus Christ gives us all of these benefits and they're exactly what we need and um, it's just to me that is such a challenge and look at the result he says here in verse five he says this in verse five he says who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles we have a lot of eagles in the area that we um that we live in I see them almost frequently enough that they kind of lose their wonder. Do you, know, you know how that is? You kind of, you start seeing something often enough and, and it's, 
But you know, when you really just stop and pay attention, there's something wonderful about the way an eagle flies. There's an old neighbor man of mine, and, and every time we might be out in the field doing something, and he sees a shadow go overhead, and he'll stop, and he'll, he'll look up, and, and he'll just watch that eagle as long as it, just, just as long as it goes. And he says, that's just something about it, just something about the way it flies. It's graceful, it's effortless, and, um, and that's what God says. As we, as we rejoice in his goodness to us, he has so many blessings for us. Tonight, we want to look at one of the blessings that God has for us, and it is the blessing of forgiveness. And, um, and we want to take a look at forgiveness tonight. What is forgiveness? Um, it's something that I can't bring to you and say, this is forgiveness. Um, it's you know, Webster says, uh, if you go to Webster, he sa- the, the dictionary says to give up resentment or, claim for re- uh, or to claim requital for, to grant relief from payment of, or to cease, from feel, uh, to, to, cease to feel resentment against an offender, pardon. Okay, so this idea of a release for one that has offended. Um, and, you know, forgiving is really to allow for error in some ways, okay? Uh, as we think, and I'm thinking mostly tonight about our forgiveness for one another, okay? We talked about the unity uh, of, uh, in children's meeting. We read a verse about unity. You know, forgiveness is one of the primary things that I believe we need today to have unity within the body of Christ because there's some, there's some um, striking realities tonight uh, about forgiveness, how many of us tonight have ever needed to be forgiven? Every one of us has needed to be forgiven. I think every one of us uh, has found our place uh, in, in needing to be uh, forgiven. Obviously, forgiven for, by, by God for our sin, but also forgiven by those that are around us uh, because of our transgressions and our, and our things that we may have said or done. How many of us tonight have had to extend forgiveness? Now, we like getting forgiveness, right? How easy is it for us to give forgiveness? Is it kind of equal? Not really. We all like to receive it, right? But it's a little harder to give it um, because of, of possibly what, what may, you know, we feel we were wronged or whatever. Matthew chapter 18. Uh, you can go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to um, spend some time here in Matthew 18. Um, but one verse that is just a stark reality um, that Jesus speaks to us, it, it, something that Jesus says that is very forthright in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7. He says, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. Okay? And then he goes on and says, But woe to that man by whom they come. There is a reality tonight that there are offenses in the world. Okay, there are, we live as humanity, we live together, we relate to one another, and Jesus tells us very clearly tonight that there will be moments that there is offense. That's just, I think it was one of the realities of life that Jesus gives to us. It's a fact that takes place. We are people, and sometimes we become offended. 
And I like to believe tonight that most offenses are not intended, okay? Often, you know, we, we, um, we become offended at, at things that maybe we really shouldn't become offended at, okay? Sometimes we, we become too sensitive uh, maybe to what is said or whatever. But Jesus also pronounces a woe, which is a grief or a condition of deep suffering upon the one that, that gives an offense, Okay, the one that causes affliction or pain in the life of someone else. And Jesus is telling us that these offenses are going to cause difficulty and they are going to cause suffering uh, in, amongst humanity. And he says uh, that, that it's, a, it's a problem. It's something that is, that is serious. In fact, it's so serious. If we go into verses um, 7, uh, well, we read verse 7, but if we go on into verses 8 and 9, it says, wherefore, uh, wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than to have two hands or two feet to be cast into eternal fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hell fire. There is a seriousness. What I see in this, in this verse, there is a seriousness in being a person that gives offenses, okay? There is a seriousness in causing an offense uh, to, to someone else. You know, if I continually offend someone or if, I, if there is something that is a continual offense to me, we need to separate ourselves from that, from that, um, that difficulty. We need to say, you know what, if my tongue is continually uh, causing offense, we need to guard our tongues, right? We need, to go to, we need to go to whatever extent it is to cause offenses to stop. And, you know, it causes grief to my heart to know that there have been many times where I have been the culprit that has offended my brother in, in Christ or, or my coworker or, or whoever it is. I remember... I remember a, um, a, one of my coworkers one time was working with a young man that we were trying to help. He had actually come out of a, a, a drug rehab um, type program and had a, had a battle with drugs. And, and we were trying to help this young man. And, and, um, and one of his coworkers, he did something really, you know, sometimes people do something that's really kind of duh. And he said, uh, he said, well, he said, he says, you know, he said, it's bad to do drugs or something. He said, it's just kind of a, a smart comment. And this, this young man became extremely offended. And I'm talking extremely offended. And he, he got back to, to, to the shop that night, and he left. He grabbed his tool. No, he forgot his tools, and he left. He roared off. He called, called uh, in, and he said he quit. And he went out, and I, he, he went into sin. I'm talking, it, it was like all the... It, it, he just, everything went. And, um, and some weeks later, he came back to get his tool bo toolbox, and we had a chance to talk to him and um, try to, to right the offense. Um, and this young man went out into sin, and, and just, he just, he threw everything away. Everything that, he, he regressed back into, into his old ways. And it went some years later. And um, we again had the opportunity to hire him, and we did that. And I praise the Lord today that, that he's walking as a, as a new creature in Christ, okay? The Lord got a hold of his life. But the offense that took place was serious. And it caused a serious reaction, okay? And sometimes unintentionally, okay, unknowingly we cause offense 
that takes place, and we need to be very careful about that. And there's, there's many times where each one of us can be guilty of that. Forgiveness tonight stands in contrast to offenses. Okay, So if you have offenses over here, over on this side you have forgiveness. That's, that's, the, um, that's how it works. Uh, is they're, they're polar opposites. They, they don't, um, they're, they're, forgiveness is the antidote uh, to offenses. And we see if we go into verses 15 through 20, here in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives us tonight a framework to deal with offenses, especially as these offenses happen within the body of Christ. And we're not going to take the time to go down through and, and really look at that part of, of restoring offenses. Um, but, the, but there's a recipe here in scripture where we go and we talk directly to our brother. Then we take a friend and then if, if that's not, you know, if that don't work, then obviously there is, uh, within the church there is discipline. You know, I look back into this situation with this young man that, was, that took such an offense to what was said. There could have been almost instant reconciliation if he would have simply went and, and asked his coworker what was meant or, or what was happening. And he could have saved himself years of, of pain and, and sorrow if he would have just done that. And, and God wants us to be people that are open with one another about offenses. Now, jump with me down to verse 21. So, um, so Jesus, in verses 15 uh, through 20, goes on and talks about uh, if, our, if our brother trespasses against us, how to deal with that. Then, starting in verse 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times 7. I think Peter was listening pretty closely to what Jesus had to say. And he says, you know, this thing about forgiveness is, it comes pretty close to each of our hearts. Um, there's, there's things that, that we feel in, in, in our hearts that are, that are painful. And um, Peter asked the question to Jesus that many of us may have wanted to ask. Maybe we wouldn't have been bold enough, but we would have wanted to ask it. And that is, Jesus, do I really have to forgive? That's really what Peter was asking Jesus. Um, and um, G uh, Peter was looking for a limit to this forgiveness that Jesus was asking to have as, as part of his, um, of, of his life. And... Um, and in, P in Luke chapter 17, it records that Peter asked, if it's seven times in a day, do I have to forgive? Um, how many times does my coworker, how many times does my spouse or, or, or my brother or sister in church have to sin against me or to offend me until I don't have to forgive anymore? Humanly speaking, Peter had a very legitimate question. His question was, I mean, from a human perspective, is legitimate. Um, how often do we need to forgive? Um, you know, in our human minds, there is a limit to forgiveness. Right? You, you, you think about that. Apart from God's grace, okay? Apart from knowing what, what Jesus went on to tell Peter here, we would say there, there's a limit to God. There's there got to be a limit to forgiveness, humanly speaking. Um, 
maybe the offense is too often, right? Maybe this is a repeated offender, okay? Somebody that has done the same thing again and again, and we say, well, you know what? First time, okay. Second time, okay. No, third time, that's it, okay? And you know what? If you're like me, our human heart, even though we've been regenerated, has that same tendency, right? You did it once, I'll forgive you. You did it twice, I'll forgive you. But the third time, no, I'm done, right? Am I alone in feeling that way at times? I, I, think, I think that is a feeling of the human heart. Or possibly, the offense is so large or so big, it hurts somebody that we loved or whatever, and we, and we just, we just can't, we just, there gotta be a limit. That's what Peter was saying, there gotta be a limit to forgiveness, Jesus answers him here in verse 22. He says, not seven times, but until 70 times seven. 490 times in one day. That holds out to a little less than every three minutes, 24 hours a day. Okay? Um, if, you do, if you do the math, I think it's like 2.93 uh, uh, minutes. Uh, like, yeah, 2.93 minutes. If, if, you know, somebody stepped on your toes every three minutes, okay, you know, it, it would become pretty tempting to say, you know what, that's enough, okay? I, I forgave you once, and maybe I forgave you 100 times, but not 490 times, not, not a continual offending. I think what Jesus was saying here is that our forgiveness needs to be limitless. Jesus came right back to Peter and says, Peter, human mind is saying there got to be a limit. But Jesus says there is a limitlessness to our forgiveness. You know, there's two examples of forgiveness that have always just blessed me as I think about Scripture. And the first one of those is, is Joseph in Scripture. I think about uh, the story of Joseph, and we're not going to turn there and read that account. But Joseph, he had, he had a difficult situation and it's a powerful, powerful account of forgiveness. You know, Joseph's home situation was one that would have been for the textbooks, okay? Uh, it's just that, and it, his home situation was uh, extremely difficult. He was a favored child. His brothers hated him. There was animosity. There was strife. There was, if you read through scripture, Joseph's home situation was a home situation that was a total mess in a lot of regards, you know, he had brothers that mocked him, that, that, that uh, despised him, they abused him, they sold him. You think, about, you think about things that need forgiven, okay? I don't think one of us here has had our brothers sell us into slavery, okay? This was, this was the reality of Joseph's life. He had the Ishmaelites that carried him to, to Egypt. They used him for their own profit, they said, what gain can we get from this man? And they used him for their own profit. You have Potiphar. Joseph worked in Potiphar's house. Potiphar wrongly accused Joseph, had him thrown in prison for years. Wrongly accused Joseph doing what he knew was right and being falsely accused. I don't know, but something about that would really get close to my heart. You know, when if you thought you did what... God wanted you to do, and you did what was right. You kind of rose above the situation, maybe, and here you become falsely accused and, and, and the repercussions from that. Then there was a butler that forgot him, 
how could a butler, uh, we'd know the account how the uh, jo- Joseph interpreted the dreams for the uh, baker and the butler that, that, Pharaoh, or, uh, yeah, that Pharaoh had put in prison. After the butler was out of prison, he forgot Joseph. That, that is hard to imagine that a man that, was, that had the possibility of dying and was released from prison had, a, had forgotten Joseph. You know, then we have his brothers that come. They come all the way from the land of Canaan. They come down to the land of Egypt. And they come down there and they bow themselves down before Joseph, just like Joseph's dream said. And they were asking and begging for the, for the goods that Joseph had stored up in Egypt. How many of us tonight would have said, okay, now's my turn to return the favor. Right? That would have been humanly, that would have been our, our response to, uh, to our brothers in that, in, that, um, in that situation. You know, we would say, well, dad made a mess of this home situation. He can just stay in Canaan without food. You know, we, we, my brothers, they, they sold me into slavery. See if they get anything out of my storehouses, Right? This stuff isn't so foreign to our, to our ears, is it? We, if you get out into uh, in, in, and working in, in situations, especially in family, I'm amazed how many broken families there are in our own neighborhoods, in our own churches, that, that there's strife and there's this kind of animosity that is going on. But I believe tonight that before Joseph's brothers ever came to the land of Egypt, that Joseph had already chosen to forgive. I don't think it was something that I don't think it was something that he was having to decide at that moment. You know, we know jo- Joseph put his brothers to the test. He didn't he didn't reveal himself to them right away. And we could say, well, maybe that was, you know, Joseph just being a little difficult or you know, I think Joseph was simply wanting to know if he really wanted to reveal himself to his brothers. And, um, but I believe in his heart, Joseph had already forgiven. And I, and I see Joseph having a, a, a complete forgiveness in his heart for his brothers. You know, after Jacob died and, and, um, and he, was his, yeah, he was buried, the, um, the brothers of Joseph came back to Joseph and they said, Joseph, they said, we want to tell you something that dad told us before he died. They said, Dad told us before he died that you're not supposed to get even with us. I don't know if that's what took place, and that's just putting it in my own words. But these brothers were still not sure about Joseph's forgiveness. They just were not sure that maybe Joseph would now retaliate after his father was, was gone. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 says this, But as for you, you thought, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Look at Joseph. Hid all the wrong that was done to him. And he rose above that and he said, look at this. He says, God brought me into Egypt so that, we, so that there could be a blessing that went out across many, many people. His forgiveness was not conditional on his brother's actions because he had put his focus on God. Joseph had a complete forgiveness. Tonight, can we get the perspective in our lives that Joseph had? Joseph looked beyond the offense. And he looked to the plan that God had in place. 
You know, I look back at some difficult things that, that I have gone through in my life. Times when, times when there was offense against me. And I look back today and I say, wow. God used those things in my life to do something that was even more and greater than if I would not have had to go through those things. Can we step back today? Can we get the big picture in offenses that Joseph had? The other inspiration from Scripture is from Jesus Christ himself. Think about how Jesus was treated all of his life. He was born in Bethlehem in a, in a stable. He was chased by Herod. He was ridiculed by the scribes and the Pharisees. He was crucified by the Romans. Jesus did not have an easy life. You know, Jesus, after all of that, Isaiah 53 and verse 6 tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray and have gone, uh, turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all, and he went on to give his life on the cross. In my mind, there is no reason that Jesus should have given, uh, willingly given his life. He was innocent, he was perfect, I was lost and needy, and yet Jesus Christ forgave. Think about how Jesus was treated in Luke chapter 23 and verse uh, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Jesus was hanging on the cross. His life was slipping away. His only earthly possessions were being taken by, the, by those that were crucifying him. And he has, the, he has the spirit within him to say, Father, forgive them. What a testimony of forgiveness. From Jesus Christ. These two stories are a powerful accounts of forgiveness. A refusal to hang on to any mistreatments. You know, I think in our humanity sometimes we feel that if we can continue to hang on to the wrongs that were done against us, we're going to have opportunity to use them for our advantage. Isn't that, isn't that kind of our thinking? You know, this... This brother or this person, they did, they did this against me. Well, if I just kind of put that in, in, in my backpack of supplies, okay, when the day is right, I can pull it out and I can use it against them. story is told of a businessman that, um, that it was a salesman that went into a business and because of some conflicts of interest had to, uh, had to pull a dealership from, from this uh, place of business. And, um, and things weren't, and it was done formally through a letter and so on. And, um, and years later, this, this salesman had changed occupations. He, he, was, he was still in, in the same type of industry with a different company, totally, totally different. Uh, yeah, no, no connection at all to the old company that had to remove this, uh, this dealership from, from, uh, from this person. And, and he went back to see this, this place of business, and he was... I think he was selling windows at that point. He came back into, this, into the office of this businessman, and he has a different product that he's selling. And, um, and he's, he sits down, and he's, you know, some pleasantry, and he says, you know what? He says, uh, I'm selling windows now or whatever he was selling. He said, I'm, I would like to do some business with you. And, uh, and the man re gave the account. He said he, this man backed up. He opened a de desk drawer, and he reached in, and he pulled out a letter, and he laid it on his desk. 
He says, so the man, he, he picks up the letter and he opens it. And it was a letter that, that removed the, the previous, it, it was a letter of removal of dealership for this one other product. And he says, that's your answer. All of those years, for 10 years, that letter or whatever, it was, I think it was 10 years, that letter was sticking in that desk, waiting for the opportunity to use it again. Unforgiveness tonight, brothers and sisters, brings bitterness. It brings bitterness, and I want to tell us tonight that if we are going to harbor bitterness in our hearts, it does not destroy the other person, it destroys me. Or it destroys both. Think about Cain and Abel for a moment. The bitterness that Cain allowed to harbor in his heart destroyed his brother Abel, but more than that, it destroyed himself. He was an outcast from society. He was an outcast from, from, um, from mankind. Now back into Matthew chapter 18. Jesus gives us a story to really just kind of clinch this whole idea of forgiveness. Verse 23 and reading on through verse 35. Um, he just got done telling Peter we need to forgive 490 times a day. Verse 23, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what thou owest. And his fellow, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. This is a very serious account, a story that Jesus gives to us. He says, this is, the kingdom of heaven is likened. Jesus, I believe, was speaking to those that have been born again, okay? He's speaking to the church of Jesus Christ. He's talking to those that are a part of the kingdom of heaven. The king here in this, in this, um, in this kingdom was was God. And, um, and we see that this king had, uh, had a servant. And this king sat down and he, he started to check over his books. And uh, he starts to look down over his accounts. And, and um, he comes across an account that was minus 10,000 talents. Now I did a little, little reading and a little checking. This is an amazing amount of money. I just using some, some figures, if a, a talent is right about 47 pounds of silver, okay? So 
you think about 47 pounds of silver. Silver sells, I, I actually checked today, silver is selling right, what, about $22 an ounce, something like that. And this is 47 pounds of silver times 10,000, okay? We are talking about probably 100, and in today's money, maybe like $160 million, okay? A, an amount of money that is, that is just amazing. And um, what the king found, finds is this insurmountable amount of debt. There is no way that this debt was going to fix itself. And the king had a solution, right? He says, well, you're in the whole $160 million or whatever. It's time to sell out. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell you out. That's, that's what has to happen. This servant is us tonight. This servant falls down before his king. And he begs and he pleads and he makes promises. We see, we see here in... Um, in, in verse 20, um, 26, it says, The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, listen to this, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Words are cheap, right? Words are cheap. He says, God, have, have patience with me, I'll get it paid off. You just take that amount and divide it out over the years of life. Okay, and it's it, it's it's almost an impossible, or it is an impossibility, really, in a lot of ways. I believe this king knew that that debt could never be repaid. Not if this man worked himself to 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 death; it could not be paid, and um, and his promise to pay was futile. This debt that is being referred to here is an example of our debt before God. Okay, this, is, this is the debt that, that we owed. And we see that this king was moved with compassion. You know, this load of, this, this a tremendous amount of, of, of debt. And the, and the king was moved with compassion. He forgave that debt. The forgiveness was completed. Okay, there was forgiveness that was done. And so this servant walks out of, from before the king and tells us that he went and he found his fellow servant. He went home and checked his own records. He says, well, maybe, maybe he said if I owe uh, you know, $160 million to the king, maybe somebody owes me something, right? And so, or something like that. He went out and he started checking and he found somebody that owed him 100 pence. You know, a pence is one-eighth of an ounce of silver, Okay. One-eighth of an ounce of silver. And um, you do the calculations. This is a few hundred bucks at the most. Okay? And he goes and he, the scripture tells us that he went and he got this man by the neck and he says, you're going to pay up. It's time to pay up. You have offended me. You have, you have wronged me by holding my money. You're going to pay. Got him by the neck. I want you to notice something. If we go down into verse, um, verse 29... And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, These are the exact words that this man just used to the king. The exact words. He says, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. This is reasonable, right? Maybe he just had to go home and get the money. You see, this was a reasonable amount to repay. And, um, and it was a debt that could be paid. But we see that this, this, um, 
that, that this, this servant was, was pleading for the same kind of mercy. Servant 2 was pleading for the same kind of mercy that servant 1 had also pleaded for. But we see that, this, that the first servant, he did not have any compassion. He had no mercy in his heart. And it tells us that he threw him in prison. You know what? Servant 1 had every right to throw servant 2 into prison. Humanly speaking. There was a debt that was owed. There was a debt that was not paid. By right, he could put him in prison. He didn't have to forgive that debt from a human perspective. It was owed. But the question is, how could this servant one have such a hard heart after all that he was forgiven? He had just been forgiven a tremendous debt and yet he did not pass on that forgiveness. Scripture tells us that this burdened the hearts of his fellow servants. They did not, they did not um, appreciate what they saw. And we see that the king came back to servant number one. And this debt that was forgiven. In verse 32 he says, And then his lord after that he had called him, this is servant number one, he said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Take a look what he says in this next verse. And dear ones tonight, this is the grounds that we must have for forgiveness. He says, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. Tonight, every one of us has received that has received the love of Jesus in our heart, has received the forgiveness of our sins. We are those people that have had those millions of dollars rolled off of our shoulders. That debt that could never be paid. And he's saying, if you were forgiven that debt, then you by right should be forgiving the debts of those that trespass against you. The king was telling his servant... There's not an option of forgiveness here. There's a necessity of forgiveness. You know, in our human minds, we think we have an option to forgive. But as God looks down from glory, he sees it as an obligation to forgive because of the debt that he forgave for us. You know, this, this um, point of this parable is in verse 35. He says this, he sums it all up in verse 35. He says, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. You know what this king did? This king went, and it says in verse 34, that the, king, that the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. Dear ones, tonight, this king forgave the debt. But because of the unforgiveness and the lack of mercy in the heart of this servant, the debt was reinstated. That's how serious tonight God looks on things of forgiveness. You know, the fact is, if we are holding grudges, bitterness in our hearts, we're not only, we're, we're not only miserable, but it brings us into a place of judgment before God Almighty. And that brings a seriousness to what we see tonight. We cannot expect the forgiveness of God and hold grudges in our heart against others. 
No matter the weight, the size of the transgression, no matter the, 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 the amount of, of times that, that we've been wronged, forgiveness is not an option to the child of God. Forgiveness is a necessity. You know, tonight, we have a choice. If we are going to be like Joseph and like Jesus, or if we're going to be like servant number one. Jesus and Joseph, you know, Joseph sat in, in the prison house there in Egypt. He sat in the prison house, but he was a free man, okay? Because he had already chosen to forgive. I think we see that radiating out of Joseph's life. He went about doing the service that was before him to do. He was, he was, he was free in spirit. You know, tonight we have an option. To forgive because we've been forgiven. Or to hold grudges because it's our right. Tonight, you know, as we think about the seriousness of forgiveness, it is important that we see the necessity to forgive in the light of what Jesus said in, in verse 35, where he says that that debt was reinstated because of a lack of forgiveness. Tonight, I don't know, you know, your conditions or the things that, the things that may have been done against you. But tonight, I don't think I'm going to call for, for a song, for an invitation. Because if there's somebody that wrongs you, it's not here that you have to make it right. It's there that you have to make it right. With that brother, with that sister, with that, with that business associate that, is, that is, has wronged you. Tonight, I want us to remember that forgiveness is not an option for the child of God. And if there is a grudge in your heart, if there is a lack of forgiveness against one of your brothers or sisters in the Lord or whoever it is, know tonight that God expects a spirit of forgiveness in his children. God wants us to be those people that, um, that are able to have the spirit of unity within the body of Christ. And I believe one of the foundations to that is a spirit of forgiveness. And it starts with a spirit of openness one to another as we, as we communicate how we are feeling, the things that are done. You know, just that ability to relate to one another. So tonight, as we think about what we have looked at with forgiveness, I challenge you. Inspect your heart. And if there's anything there, go find that brother, that sister, and make it right. Because God in heaven is keeping track, okay? That's what, that, that's what that parable tells us. He's paying attention. So may God bless you as you endeavor to be people that give yourself to forgiving, to loving, to being brothers and sisters within the body of Christ. Again, thank you all for coming tonight. I trust that uh, as you go from here that your uh, life is an example of forgiveness to the world that we live in. I, I, I moved into a new area. You all know that. And um, this about two years ago, one of the things that just amazes me is the amount of broken relationships that, that, are, that are around, you know, just in families and so on. And one of them that fascinates me the most, and it's kind of a little bit humorous, but it's, it's, um, it is, yeah, it's a, it's a grudge that's being held. I live along a road where there's a dairy farm on one side. Brother Nate, you might, you might recognize this, I'm not sure. There's a dairy farm on the one side, and there's a house uh, across the road. The dairy farm is you know, a quarter mile down the road. But the dairy farmer every day, he brings his manure all the way down the road 
brings it across from that house and puts it on a big pile, uh, maybe 50 feet or yeah, 100 feet from this house. And I, and I said when I moved in there, I said, what, what's with that? You know, what, what is, what's going on there? And the one neighbor, he kind of laughed a little bit. He said, that's a grudge that goes back for generations. And he said, that dairy farmer dumps that manure on a pile across from that house just out of spite. Dear ones, let's not be like that. Let's be people that, that are, are, you know, easy to get along with and, and serve others like we want to be served. So again, thank you for coming. May God bless you as we go from here and be that example of forgiveness in the world that we live in. Let's stand together for a closing prayer. <clears throat> Father, as we come into your presence here again this evening, Father, we thank you for your forgiveness that you have given to us. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And Father, I just pray tonight that you would help each one of us to understand and to know that you have forgiven us a tremendous debt, a debt that we could never repay. And Father, help us to be a people that are willing and that are ready to forgive others the way that you have forgiven us. Father, tonight, if there is anyone here that is holding a grudge, Father, I pray that you would give them the strength to go and make it right. Father, I just pray that your blessing would be upon us. Father, that you would lead and guide us according to your will. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.